The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he. And they will lead many astray when you hear of wars and rumors of wars. Do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. But this is the beginning of the birth pangs. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. You guys sang really well today. I was, I was pretty impressed. Alright. I want to ask you about a phrase that my dad told me once, okay? Who all here has ever heard of the calm before the storm? The calm before the storm. Alright, some of us, does it at least sound familiar? The calm before the storm? No. Alright, does anybody know what it means? No. No? Okay. Have you ever... Yeah, kind of. Have you ever seen a thunderstorm? Yeah. Yes. Alright. Have you ever stood outside and watched the dark clouds get closer and closer and closer? Yes. Yeah. Alright. Now sometimes before the storm, it's kind of windy, right? But sometimes right before the clouds hit you, it's really, really quiet and everything is still. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just kind of a little bit weird the way that the dark clouds are right there you can see the storm coming but nothing's going on that's what they mean about the calm before the storm now today in our text Jesus is talking about things that happen before a really big event happens and he talks about war and famine and earthquakes now do any of those things sound good no no nope. we don't want any earthquakes we don't want any famine we don't want any war correct But I think that's kind of like the calm before the storm. Because Jesus talks about when Jesus is coming, or Jesus is talking about when God draws near. And wouldn't you know it, when we're struggling the most, when we're fighting with one another, or when we're fighting with ourselves, Jesus comes closer. Let me give you an example. Have you guys ever prayed for someone who is sick? Yeah. Yeah? 
Do you think Jesus was closer in those times? No. Probably, yeah. I would say so. Have you guys ever prayed for someone? Well, have you ever prayed for yourself? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Do you think Jesus was closer in those times? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes in the midst of when we're struggling the most, in a weird way, Jesus is even closer in those moments. And sometimes, that's kind of like the calm before the storm. Things are happening, and we know something's going to happen, but Jesus draws near. Yes? <laughs> Tornadoes? Yeah. It gets really quiet, actually, right before a tornado. It's incredibly weird. But even then, Jesus draws near. All right. How about we pray? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks because you're with us always. In the moments that we need you the most, you seem to be even closer than before. We ask that you be with everybody who needs you right now, whether they're here or not. We ask that you be with everybody here too. That they might know that you're near. They might know that you love them and you care for them and never leave them. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. And Phineas is helping us with the basket. No more envelopes. Nope. <laughs> we're going to talk about the next week. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, Amen. This particular text, actually the entire chapter of Mark 13, but this particular text that we have today where Jesus is predict, predicting a lot of calamity, a lot of destruction, predicting what we often call the end times or something like that, it makes me uneasy. It makes me uneasy in the same way that whenever I hear uh, street preachers or people in the corners of the streets uh, telling me to repent for God is near and our nation's under terrible calamity and, and all I have to do is say this prayer or repeat after them or whatever it is, it makes me uneasy. There was one time I realized what made me uneasy about it. I was uh, walking through D.C. with Kristen on the day after Thanksgiving once and we came around the White House. On the back side of the White House, there is a 
person with the stereotypical sandwich board that just said repent on both sides. And he was singing some hymns, you know, by himself. And he was telling everyone who passed through and this giant crowd to repent that God was near, that God was taking vengeance upon our nation for not following correctly. And it made me uneasy. It made me uneasy because not that he was incredibly unlike myself, but in the way that as I was studying at that time to be a pastor, I was studying and singing and in different ways saying repent. I mean, he was singing some of my favorite hymns and it made me uneasy because I didn't use them that way. And he was saying some of the same things I was saying in the pulpit on a regular basis, which made me uneasy because I didn't mean them that same way. And he was calling people to the same types of things I call people to, turning back to God, turning back to living a life that is worthy of the baptism, that is worthy of the calling, that is worthy of the God that we have received. And it made me uneasy because I knew I disagreed with him and I wasn't quite sure how. Today in the text, when Jesus begins talking about this apocalyptic type stuff, it makes me uneasy because I know, well, it's Jesus, so Jesus is right. <laughs> but at the same time, I know that there's a way of construing this that doesn't quite sit with the way that I see reality, the way that I've experienced God, and the way that the world seems to work. Because I do believe that we are called to repentance. But you've heard my preaching enough, and I think you've been around me enough to know that when I talk about this type of repentance, I'm not talking about a single prayer or even dozens of prayers that simply have a heartfelt rendition to God. Rather, when I call you to repentance and when I call myself to repentance as a pastor, I'm calling us to turn our hearts and our prayers and our actions, the entirety of our lives, back to God. It is not just a prayer because if you pray something and your actions don't look like it, I don't much care about the prayer because it's had no effect on your life. Repentance, turning back to God, is about your life. The way that I see myself as different than that street preacher is at the end times mark not terror and destruction for us as Christians that the ever ever closing in nearness of God I did a lot of reading this week because I didn't want to first I didn't want to lead you guys wrong but I noticed that at the end of the text there was birth pangs whenever there's birth pangs usually typically that means birth That means life. That means something that was there that wasn't there before. That means a change of life. That means a change in the way that you do life. Now I've heard from several of parents, past and present, that when you have a child, it changes your life. Sometimes it means that you no longer get to hear the sermon for a while. Sometimes it means that you no longer live life the way that you do. You are now entirely encompassed by having this human being get up, eat, learn something throughout the day, survive, put them back to bed, and repeat the process. 
There's a lot that goes on in every stage of life with birth pangs. Birth pangs are change. And so seeing that, seeing that at the end of the text, I went back through and I skimmed over Revelation and I looked at Daniel, I looked at Ezekiel, I looked at all those major places where we see this apocalyptic literature and wouldn't you know it, every time, every time this apocalyptic, this doom and gloom type stuff is in front of us, yes, it's talking about the struggles and yes, it's talking about the pain of this world, but the end times do not signify the end of all existence, do not signify the end of our hope. Instead, the end times mean the end of our suffering, the end of this pain, the end of this age, because God has drawn near and there's something new. Because all of a sudden, the way things are will not keep going that way. There is new. The next couple weeks we're going to celebrate Advent. And that in and of itself seems to have creeped up on us all. But in Advent we're going to hear about these birth pangs again. We're going to hear about these things again because as Christians, our new is when Christ stepped down from heaven to be with us. Our new is when God made the first covenant with Noah and all humanity never to wash away the earth again. Our new is when Moses' cries and the Israelites' cries were heard in Exodus. Our new is when judges were given to Israel, is when prophets were given to Israel, is when good kings and bad kings answered to God the same. Our new is when time after time, when our struggles and our frustrations are met not by God drawing away and not by just a messenger, but are met by God and God's own self. Giving God's self to us, pouring God's self into us, breaking God's self on the altar and pouring God's self into the cup so that we might have it for ourselves. There's new right in front of us. The difference between myself and the street preacher, the difference between us is that when the end times are near, it sounds like good news. We have so much happening in our world this week and today that feel like the end times. I mean, there have been earthquakes and there are mass numbers of people dying and there are strains on our nation and nations across the globe that just feel like birth pangs. And I'm not here to announce the inbreaking of Christ once again. I'm not saying look to the clouds because God's going to be skimming across at any time now. What I am saying that in these moments your heart stirs and so does mine and that can be nothing but the Spirit the Spirit moving us to be on behalf of our neighbor to be on behalf of each other the Spirit causing us once again to be the body of Christ in this world and when that happens when we respond to our neighbor's need and when we respond to the injustice in our midst all of a sudden God is present all of a sudden God is here God is born again because when it's God's work in our hands, all of a sudden, we know that nothing will stop Christ from being with those who are oppressed. Nothing. 
there's birth pangs. And they hurt. And I'll never know the extent of that hurt. But in time, that means life. People of Trinity, friends and family, that means that today, when you go home and you hear more and more about those end time things that are happening, God is near. In your heart, in mine, in our hands together, and in the spirit that moves and works wherever it will. God is with us, and thanks be to God for that. Amen.